My name is Scott Challoner, and this is the Leaders' Council podcast for the people who run the country and the people who keep the country running. You join us on what is a very windy and cool winter morning here in the capital, but joining me on the programme to hopefully add a little bit more warmth and brightness to affairs on this quite sunny day is Dr. Maria McGee, CEO at Marble Hill Soaps Limited. Um, Dr. Maria, very warm welcome to yourself, and thank you so much for taking the time to join us on the show today. Thanks very much, Scott. Now, just to sort of contextualise for these regular listeners that uh, may not be familiar with sort of yourself and your business, um, you essentially provide natural skincare products that are free from chemical additives, and you're based over in uh, Derry, Northern Ireland, aren't you? I believe I'm right in saying. That's right, yeah. Yeah, fantastic. And um, what was it really that sort of made you think initially that sort of founding your own business and going into uh, sort of a running your own company what what, what made you think that was going to be the way for you what sort of made that decision Uh, we moved uh, from Manchester to Northern Ireland in the year 2000 Um, my husband is retired now he's an orthopedic surgeon and we'd had some um, health major health problems within the family and um, the opportunity to move uh, came and um, He's from the Republic, and um, we call it Derry. It's the closest place, probably mm. major city, possibly Newry, um, to the border. It's very close to his family um, uh, roots, and um, we took the opportunity to move, as it were, within the NHS. And um, when we came over, I had spent a long time as a primary carer for uh, one of my sons who sadly died. And um, I, we had a four-year-old son. And um, although I was invited to go back into medicine, um, I wasn't really keen because my husband was already uh, working um, a one-in-four rota, including one-in-four weekends. And um, the jobs that were offered to me would have required on-call. So um, I decided I wasn't going to do that. But as I was looking for something to do... Um, we had inherited a farm in County Donegal mm. and um, I was looking for some way that we could possibly bring a bit of revitalization to it. And we considered a lot of different options. Um, and we finally came down to um, a choice between um, vermiculture, uh, cultivating worms in an organic way to provide um, worms to the fishing industry and um, then uh, provide organic compost or making soap. And we thought about the soap because I've always had an interest in chemistry and crafts. And we had a well on the farm um, which was known to have exceptionally pure water. And um, I thought it would make a nice little hobby. So my husband pointed out that um, soap was obviously an awful lot cleaner than vermiculture. So Mm. we decided on that. And I found that the soaps that I was making um, were very beneficial for my oldest son's skin. He'd suffered from eczema from the first months of his life. And we'd gone through a long and um, very uh, stressful experience with his skin problems. And um, we found that um, he came to me and said, look, mum, my skin's really improving. I'm not using shower gels anymore. I'm just using this. And um, we, I decided then that uh, what we should do would be to um, make these soaps more widely available. Once I had come to a formula that 
um, really proved to be very, very beneficial for him. We used um, neem oil and other pure plant oils. And um, the benefits of uh, using plant oils rather than um, refined chemicals in his skincare was dramatic. Um, what became obvious after a while, actually, was not that the ingredients in the products that he'd been using before were in any way, um, shall we say, dangerous, um, no. but he was allergic to them. And that's the case for very, very many people that um, specific ingredients within their skincare regime are actually allergenic. So by, um, I'm a big believer in prevention being better than cure. Um, by simply removing those and substituting natural ingredients, um, it was very beneficial for his skin. And um, we found, as I developed different uh, options, including um, a foot cream for myself mm. and um, a seaweed soap, which, to be honest with you, was just developed because there were all men in the house. And um, I wanted something that would get them out of the shower a bit quicker. So I developed a shave shower and shampoo bar, which they found very good for um, their, their skin condition as well. Um, and it became obvious that other people would benefit from this. So um, I became involved with my son uh, in um, setting up the first iteration of the uh, company. Um, and that went on uh, increasing uh, traction um, over a couple of years. And then I became primary carer for my husband's elderly aunt. And um, the whole thing had to go into abeyance. Um, then in 2010, um, she died, and I had, during that period, I had actually had numbers of people contacting me saying they needed the product, and would I be making them again, and so on. So um, I decided that it would be something that I should really um, resurrect, and um, took it on from there. Um, the, the, the idea behind Marble Hill Soap Limited, we have. Um, an ethos that is based on wherever we can using fair trade ingredients mm. to produce natural, beneficial uh, skincare products and also at the same time provide sustainable employment in this area, which is very much an economic black spot. And um, the um, business has just developed from there. And we now... Um, supply Amazon, we have our own website, and we um, supply health stores and chemists in um, essentially mostly in Northern Ireland, but also in the Republic. It's quite an incredible story, isn't it, as to sort of how the business sort of really grown out of something sort of so personal and obviously gone on to help sort of so many people. And I suppose over the last couple of years with the emergence of the COVID-19 pandemic, you've probably had your fair share of challenges um, on the operational side of things. How has it been sort of managing that, would you say, over the uh, the last uh, couple of years that we've had? Well, um, we've been very, very lucky in that the people who um, work uh, to, to produce the product and in the uh, back office are very experienced and um, highly qualified in terms of handling um, chemical, you know, the, the, the manufacture of soaps and um, so on and um, extremely responsible so that they instituted um, the highest... I, I, I can't 
possibly uh, reflect the admiration I've got for how well they organised it. Um, there was never any suggestion that um, anybody would break any social distancing rules. Um, we reorganised the layout of the factory. and um, It's a very small factory. Um, there are three people running it. And um, the production, actually, of the um, uh, soaps uh, was increased because so many people were finding that um, their skin was uh, deteriorating as a result of using um, the synthetic detergents in um, a lot of, in well, essentially all the hand washes, liquid washes mm. that are available, um, that the demand increased. So we were very lucky in that we were able to absorb the increase in demand at the same time as um, being able to avoid, at no time was anybody uh, infected. Um, it's, it's actually been um, very satisfying to see how people can take responsibility for themselves and um, maintain the highest standards of their own back. Yeah, it is interesting, isn't it, how during this pandemic we've become so much more sort of self-aware of our own health, sort of both physically and also mentally as well. That's certainly something that's been thrust back into the uh, the national limelight over the last couple of years. Um, so having talked about... Um, you know, it certainly is. And I must say the, um, the fact that people were able to go from what had been um, uh, a, a very relaxed but at the same time serious um, manufacturing system to really taking on board the importance of these extra um, requirements is very satisfying and, and really very inspirational, to be honest with you. Yeah, certainly. And if we talk about sort of mental well-being now, um, considering that we've become very, very aware of that uh, more so over the uh, the last couple of years, um, just how important is it within business that we sort of safeguard our own mental health, but also that of our uh, colleagues as well, because... I suppose it's been very difficult to sort of keep tabs on that um, over the uh, the last couple of years when people have been sort of so physically distanced and apart in many, many ways. For me, the important thing um, in my in the business mm. is that we have very good relationships, that we treat everybody is treated with respect and um I listen to what they have to say, they listen to what I have to say, and um, we try to be very sensible and, and grown up about things. And um, when an issue is uh, potentially going to cause a problem, I think the important thing um, is that everybody uh, addresses it and um, comes to terms with it and then deals with it in a rational way. Um, I'm very fortunate in that I, the people I deal with are, um, uh, how do I put it, older and mature, mm. um, that they have a lot, they've grown up in a town which has had more than its fair share of um, stress and, and violence um, down the years. And they are just wonderful people who have uh, a great capacity to cope with what life throws at them. And at the same time, um, that we all share a common vision. Um, the people that I work with all feel very strongly about producing a range of um, skincare products that are beneficial to people and that they have a responsibility 
to provide items that improve the quality of life of the people that use them. And I think that that's something that spills over into the relationships um, within the workplace. Mm. Um, personally, my my approach, um, obviously, you know, you, you during the uh, particularly the, the very early part of the pandemic, um, it was very important that we maintain distancing and um, maintain masking and um, to take care of. Um, the pathways through the uh, building. And to be honest with you, I, I stayed out of it as much as possible physically. I would visit, but I would visit from almost like um, a window visit. Um, and I would discuss issues with people and um, make sure that if they had anything that they wanted to discuss, anything that was a concern to them, um, that they uh, were able to approach me directly. We've got a very um, straightforward relationship, and I think I'm very, very lucky in that it's a small number of people who are very keen to um, take responsibility for themselves in terms of the workplace and the relationships with others, and that has been a great help. During the period of the pandemic, um, personal issues didn't stop, and I think that's mm. something that we all appreciate so much that... You know, at the background of everything was the pandemic and the um, it, the implications that have for our way of life. Um, and they were very severe and very shocking, I think, mm. in many ways to people you know, who were used to... Um, this is a very social city and um, it, they found it very, it was very difficult. But at the same time, um, people's lives continued. And um, I, one member of, of um, staff um, had uh, to stand by as his mother was taken into care um, the, the dementia, which was very stressful to him. Um, uh, but um, it was something that we all approached as best we could to give him personal support. Other people had other um, issues of health and... Um, Again, I think for me, the most important thing is for people to communicate and to be aware of the issues that other people have and to be sensitive mm. to the fact that um, the life they have outside the workplace um, is something that has a uh, great bearing on, on how they cope when they go to work. Yeah, and I think the fact that you've sort of fostered that very positive culture where, you know, there is that sort of open door policy with leadership and everybody feels that they can talk is there's a lot of merit in that. It's incredibly important. And while we're on sort of the topic of leadership, if we think of sort of the national leadership now and still sort of dwelling on the sort of well-being side of things, do you think that obviously government is going to have a very key role to play in sort of promoting mental health and well-being in the aftermath of COVID now, now that we are so much more sort of aware of our health? I think that it's um, something that government is addressing. I think it's a very difficult thing because our personal experiences are so closely related to our um, physical environment, into our um, social relationships, our family background, whether or not we have family support. Um, I think that uh, government has uh, definitely got a role to play in terms of health provision. And I think that the pandemic has certainly highlighted um, the, um, 
how will I put it, the burden on government mm. of providing um, a panoramic uh, input to people's health. You know, we're seeing now the um, impact of the pandemic on, on physically people being able to attend uh, clinics, surgeries, um, you know, operations and so on. And at the same time, the mental side of it is something that is um, it's going to be something that people have to um, cope with as the years go by. I think it's going to take us a long time to get over the pandemic uh, for so very many reasons. Um, the physical side of it, and I think what you're talking about, the mental side of it, is going to be something that um, this is us for a long time. And I think that the uh, government support for um, the mental health side of it is to be very much welcomed. Mm. Yeah, I completely agree with that. It is something that we are going to have to continue to address as the uh, the situation develops because, you know, we're, we're by no means actually out of the uh, the pandemic yet. There is still sort of those lingering symptoms of COVID and those little reminders that it's still very much here. And as we sort of continue to get to grips with those challenges over the course of this sort of next 12 months, just before we wrap things up on the programme today, Maria, I'd be interested to understand what sort of your personal ambitions are for the uh, the business. You've mentioned, of course, sort of helping um, sort of generate sustainable employment in the local area of Derry, which is absolutely incredible. But what else is it that you're really hoping to, uh, to achieve over this next year? Well, I have a, a number of goals. Um, it, it's, and they, they really are the goals that sustain me in, in trying to keep this uh, the business going and to um, expand it. The, to be pr- perfectly honest, if I can just encourage people to uh, be more aware of their skincare needs mm. and be aware of what they're putting on their skin. I think that very many people don't appreciate the impact of um, low-grade um, skin problems on their uh, on their well-being and um, I, I would love if people could uh, come to terms with um, understanding maybe why they have dry skin why they have rashes is it possible that they're actually giving it to themselves and I think I, I said in, in our preamble that the role of, of education Mm. Um, it's very much underestimated. I think we go very much in terms of skincare for a kind of nebulous idea of beauty. And um, we ignore the fact that um, our general uh, well-being is very much involved with our skin health in terms of if you feel um, uncomfortable and itchy and so on, it actually has a very negative impact on your sense of well-being and your mental health. I know that from my own family. Mm. And um, I see it in the people who use our products. What I would love would be to, um, we're actually working with um, a company now to improve our website and our reach in terms of presentation of our products and education of the people who use them or should think about changing their skincare approach to have a positive impact on um, on their well-being. And I would love to see um, more emphasis on um, management of the diabetic foot, um, on um, reducing um, the impact of um, chemicals, allergenic chemicals, on people's sense of well-being. Um, just an, encouraging people to most most people have very few <laughs> skin problems, but for people who do have them, if it's something that you can. Um, understand and educate yourself about and eliminate 
I think that education is absolutely key in every aspect of our lives. And that if we could, if whoever, whether it's companies or whether it's socially, whether it's through um, media or whether it's through government, um, we can encourage people to be more aware of self-care, of avoiding things that are uh, causing them problems, and then of looking forward to preventing problems. I think that um, if I could achieve any of those goals, I would be very happy, particularly mm. in terms of management of the diabetic foot. We're currently, as I say, upgrading our um, social media. And one of my goals is to um, improve um, my transmission of the message of the importance of, uh, of foot care. And I know it's not very um, fashionable and it's not very trendy, but the truth is that um, the second biggest burden of diabetes on the NHS after renal care is actually foot care. And um, people could improve their mobility and um, their well-being so much if we could just encourage them to do the very simple things. Um, diabetes UK is wonderful for this. And just maybe get a, a higher level of penetration of education around the um, importance of managing uh, diabetes. Uh, and um, in my personal um, aspect, my personal relationship with it would be to encourage people um, to look after their feet and stay mobile. I think that would be a wonderful thing to achieve. It certainly would be, and I think Marble Hill is certainly going to have its role to play um, in sort of really driving awareness of this forward because it has been incredibly enlightening and fascinating just to sort of dwell on and talk about that intrinsic link between mental well-being and sort of looking after your skin for certain. And I think as we sort yeah. of start to sort of get to grips with this and so sort of see how that awareness is sort of really driven over the next 12 months, I'd really relish the opportunity, actually, Maria, to welcome you back onto the programme and just see sort of how that is coming along because it is an absolutely fantastic mission and one that is incredibly, incredibly important. So I think it warrants revisiting. Well, um, my goal, as I say, is to... I started off as a medical doctor and I accidentally fell into commerce. And I know that I'm not the um, best businesswoman but I have serious goals and they would be um, anything I can do to help small children not have horrible itchy rashes just by telling their mum, you know, maybe you could just make a small adjustment, maybe find out what it is that's causing it. That would be fantastic. To an elderly person who's possibly going to lose their mobility because they haven't got an idea I think would be great would be if people could get a foot buddy mm. somebody who if you've got a relative or a friend or a neighbour who has uh, visual problems or maybe arthritis can't reach their feet somebody that would come along and just help check their feet um, you could stop somebody maybe having an amputation or just even being able to potter about these are small goals um, they're they are very straightforward and I would love if we could somehow just raise awareness of these issues. And if you know, just doing something like a podcast could help people to... I have so many ideas that would help raise awareness of the seriousness of um, diabetic foot problems. Um, 
I just would relish the opportunity to share them with people and to reduce, you know, we're looking at 200 amputations a week for diabetes in the UK, mm. probably more. Um, everybody that has um, put weight on, um, become obese, maybe is vulnerable now to diabetes through the pandemic. Um, these are these are issues that can only um, that can will get worse unless they are addressed. Mm. And I would love to see government or ever, anybody who could re- just raise awareness of the importance of foot care, of um, just avoiding those things that could make your skin worse. Simple things. That would be something that I would love to do. Mm. small goals but big impacts and it is going to be interesting just to gauge how of course our political leadership does address this over the uh, the next few months and indeed years because it is so 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 vital um maria thank you once again for taking the time to join us on the show today it's been an immense pleasure and incredibly enlightening having you uh, come and speak to us and i'm sure the listeners share that sentiment and by all means as well please do take care and stay safe with all still going on in the world Thanks, Scott. It's been a great pleasure and privilege, and I hope that um, people get some interest out of listening to it. Thank you very much. I'm sure they will. It's um, it's fantastic, uh, the work that you're doing, and it's not every day that we discuss something that is sort of so... So simple yet so very, very important on this uh, podcast. And like I say, people, like I say, just please do just heed Maria's words and do try to sort of look after your skin as much as possible because it is so, so, so important. And so, as we've said, intrinsically tied in with your mental well-being as well. Um, I do hope that all of our regular listeners tuning in thoroughly enjoyed speaking with Dr. Maria McGee as much as I did. And um, if you do sort of feel that you have your own story of success and innovation to share with us here at the Leaders' Council, if you have your own business and your own organisation with its own big ambitions, then why don't you also apply to be on the show via leaderscouncil.co.uk forward slash apply because we most certainly would love to hear from you. Um, Until next time, everybody, please do take care and goodbye.